learned from the depths of the bad man. With a gun and a knife and a waistband. With the war with the devil and Shaytan. He wore a bad toupee and a spray tan. So high now, hoping that I land. On a tight stick, moving through Thailand. On the radio, heard a plane hijack. Government being that like the crook crack. Welcome to the second episode of the as-yet-unnamed Lookout Landing podcast. I am the managing editor of Lookout Landing, Kate Prusser, and I am joined tonight by Ralph Wiggum apologist, early 90s hip-hop expert, and graphics wizard for Lookout Landing, Sounder at Heart, and a bunch of other soccer sites that I don't know the name of, Jose Rivera! Jose! Hey, what's up? How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm uh I'm anticipating we're gonna get some news tomorrow about uh something regarding Edgar Martinez, which by this by the time the podcast comes out, everyone will have already known. So tell me what happens, future people. <laughs> it's gonna be good. It's a good thing. It's it's gonna be a good thing. All right. What are our? Uh, we can go through our bets after I I will introduce our other co-host for the evening. Who you know as a the news writer for Lookout Landing, a sociologist and bat flip aficionado, Mitch Haniger fan club president, John <laughs> and possible Animagus. I have to insert that part too because he it might be a bear. John Troopin, John. Howdy. I, I believe to be an Animagus, you have to spend time in any other form. Uh, so I'm not sure if that really qualifies. I think you just end up being a bear at some point, but mm. it's not a bad life. <laughs> no, no. John, has your house recovered from the uh, lookout landing rager that we threw low these few well, weeks ago? It depends on how you define recovered. If <laughs> you mean that the walls are still up and completely painted, then no. Um, if you mean that it is wonderful and uh, full of colors, then uh, yes, it is. It is still delightful. I know that you find a new favorite thing to look at every day since we had a house party with all of our interested readership and anyone who could be there. It's a fantastic time. And uh, since John's house is about to go under, undergo a, a pretty major transition, right? It's fair. That, is, that is a f- good word for complete demolition of the interior. <laughs> yes, okay. A major transition of... <laughs> of everything. Exactly. exactly. Uh, John was nice enough to let us just t- totally deface the walls, really. I mean... Uh, what what particular piece of art is is speaking to um, you right every day? now? I'm staring just straight at the uh, 24 that is that is on the wall, which is very satisfying. Uh, which I do prefer to the somewhat cryptic electric in all red, uh, and then which is not quite possibly uh, connected to the Eddie D will destroy you. That's right next to where I'm sitting. <laughs> um, so anyone that I have brought to my house subsequently who does not avidly follow the Mariners has been fairly concerned about whoever Eddie D might be. Oh yeah, so. no, that's that's actually deeply terrifying. Um, so I mentioned <laughs> earlier that we have some Edgar news dropping tomorrow. Do either of you have predictions on what it's going to be so we can look back and laugh on, at these on Friday when you're totally wrong? Uh, well, I, I think they're going to retire his number. Um, they have some pretty strict rules to have your number retired. Uh, I think you have to be in the Hall of Fame already. Mm-hmm. Or about to be inducted, as we saw last year. Um, so I think they're going to do that. I think new new ownership is changing the rules to have your number retired. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's anything bad or anything like that. 
I know they so, released that list of all of the sort of new promotions, so perhaps Edgar's just making a making another step up the rung, or or maybe he's coming for Scott's job. Uh, <laughs> he's he's always been a man known for power plays, so. Oh, sure. Of course, he uh, he might be better at managing a bullpen. <clears throat> Certainly, he's handled them better in the past. But mm. uh, I tend to agree with Jose. I wonder if it is maybe a, a number retirement ceremony where they decided it was just time. Uh, which I have mixed feelings about. I I do think, and I don't think that this is just blind homerism, but I do think he's going to make it in, so it seems a little odd to me to retire it before it's official. But also I understand wanting to capitalize on, you know, just the wave of good feelings that we had last year with Jersey, with Junior's Jersey retirement and um, that beautiful ceremony. And, you know, maybe they're just trying to, to load a little magic into the season, which I'm not opposed to. And and I think adding his number, like actually retiring his number, maybe add some weight to his uh, final two years mm, before he yeah, gets into the definitely. hall. And there is no number 11 on the roster, and I can't recall many, if any, players actually having it prior, so it wouldn't be bumping anyone. It would make a lot of sense. No, I think it was one of those things where, um, you know, it was like an official, unofficial thing where no right. one was wearing 11. Right. Um you know, I don't know. Does anyone wear 19? Um, Does anyone wear 51? I don't... Uh, <laughs> no one's wearing 51. We do have two number 50s, technically, uh, which is fun. But I think that's just because I... Rob Whalen has not been assigned a new number. Ah, uh, Rob! Uh, <laughs> nice, nice guy, Rob Whalen. Rob Whalen. <laughs> nice guy, Rob. Hey, he, I, I suspect nice guy Rob will be allowing Nick Vincent to keep, keep his number. Um, no, there's not, a, there's not a 19... Uh, well, that, that segues pretty well. And by the way, aren't we going to look silly when on Friday or when the announcement comes out and it's actually that uh, Edgar is now player coach and will be hitting as the designated hitter? No? Well. But Ben Gamo will retain his 40 man, or his 25-man spot. <laughs> He's going right. to be on the team. Let's just Figure face it. it out. I mean, that segues nicely into what we're going to be talking about tonight. So we're going to do a little bit of the uh, projected lineup and talk about the moves that have been made, any battles that might be happening, um, where the team stands in relation to last year. So, uh, so yeah, let's, let's go ahead and dive on in. All right, so as you know, our catcher, our starting catcher, uh, man, we did pick a hard one to start out with because... Um, yeah, so Mike Zanino is not going to be spending the year in Tacoma. It's not the year of Mike Zanino anymore. That was a truncated year. Uh, he's just gonna, just gonna throw him back into it. And, uh, some, some mixed feelings about it, but maybe, maybe not as negative as some other people might feel about this. What are you guys feeling? Ah, uh, I think it's now or never. Um, I mean, this is, I think this is going to be it for him, that it's, it's, it's make or break for him pretty much. He has to show that he belongs on this roster. And if, Absolutely. if he doesn't come through this year, then like I said, I think that's is it. Is it fair? Is it fair to ask that of him after he didn't have his full year of Mike Zanino? He had, you know, maybe what, four months of Mike Zanino and then he had to come up and. Uh, I think I think so because I still think he learned a lot. Like even though towards the end of last year, he looked there, there was at times he looked really bad again. 
but I think his plate discipline is getting a little Real bit bad. better. Um, yeah, it was was really bad. <laughs> um, like his walk rate went up. Uh, I just think it's like I said, it's now or never next year. I mean, when we say the the walk rate went up, I, it didn't just go up; it doubled. You know, yeah. Uh, ten, I think it was around ten percent, right? Ten point nine percent, I believe. I mean, that is pretty amazing for somebody who is pretty consistently putting up four or five percent. So yeah, that, there's a lot to like there. That was almost as important as anything else. It wasn't even so much that he was making more contact, which you know, maybe a little bit, but the fact that he went from a player who would hit around 200 and would get on base around two, you know, at 250 to, well, at least he's getting on base like about a third of the time. Like that's, that's the, the type of thing that can make a difference. You know, like even when he was so atrocious down the stretch last year, you know, his September, October, he was still around like a 70 WRC plus, I think, which is like obviously not great, but you can, if you're a really good defensive catcher and you're around 70 to 80 WRC plus, you can get by. Your team's going to be able to survive on that. Yeah, I mean, we're not, the big red flag for me is just the, the K percentage is still so high. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's practically 34%. That's, that's nuts. That's free outs. You're giving up a free out every time, one of every three times you're at the plate. That's it's, it's especially frustrating with the team that they've designed now, which has so much speed that mm-hmm. it, when we talk about the batting lineup and the batting order later, I think this will come up, but it's really frustrating when you're trying to put people around Leonis Martin and Gerard Dyson and Mitch Hanniger and Gene Segura and these players who have so much ability to score or get extra bases even if you just put the ball in play to have a player just in the middle of all that that, well, he's going to hit a homer or he's going to whiff. You know, <laughs> yeah. He's just not going to do much in between for you. Yeah, That's I mean, obviously thing. I would trade away I would trade away some of the power for just an ability to put the ball in play and for the strikeouts to come down. Because I, don't, I don't think there's anything more frustrating than just those wasted at-bats. Right. Um, although, and this is important to note too, uh, I was listening, I've been listening to some old Jerry interviews and he did say, point out that, okay, the strikeout rate was up there, but a lot of times he was putting up better at bats. He wasn't chasing bad stuff. He was fouling things off that were close. Uh, he was trying to get something he could do with it. And the guy would just make a really good pitch, but you know, these were longer bat at bats. They were longer battles. Yeah, there, there were definitely a lot of at bats where in 2015 you would say he probably would have swung at that last year. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of at bats where, where I found myself saying that. Definitely, and I mean a lot of his problems too came from uh, he adjusted, he came up, he had great success, the league adjusted, and then he just didn't seem to be able to make that last adjustment back. And I right. think he did fall back into some old bad habits, and he. Mm-hmm. He tried to change things up on his own, which to me, I think, is not an indictment at all of the player, but of the previous system that he had been brought up under. He had a problem, and instead of going to someone to fix it, and instead of going to the one person who's been giving him that consistent messaging, whoever that was, and maybe (laughs) it's because that person was in Tacoma, and maybe that's part of the reason Brocious is going to be up in Seattle this year. I'm excited. Uh, very excited to have him have that steadying hand. Um, but you know, that really says something to me that like 
he felt he had to solve that problem on his own. And even even in his brief time, you know, he put up positive war. That's I was just looking at that. He he put up a one fifteen WRC plus and a one point two war, F war. That, and that's that's the thing is like the way that he performs is so exciting and frustrating to watch just because he puts in so much production in such short bursts. Mm. And it's like, at least for me, from a catcher position, I'm curious how you guys feel about it. I feel like the catcher is particularly a position where you just kind of want a steady, consistent player, which is sort of why uh, Ruiz was such a nice person to get, even as he's you know a 37, 38-year-old player. It's like, well, this guy, you know, gets on base. He's sort of very consistent in what he does, even if he's physically declining. You know, but you'd like to see Zunino just sort of stretch that out into little little pieces, pace himself. So maybe let's move on to first base and talk about that whole situation. Our 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 Danny V's, <laughs> our, our multiple <laughs> Danny V's, double our, V's. Oh, flying double V's. Absolutely. I, I feel like there's a there's a thing we could do with that. I, I Valencia is is sort of a standard size, but I'm not sure flying is the word I would use to describe <laughs> either. Of these I would love to see a flying Vogelbach, but absolutely. Um, I don't know. He's looked a little little slim in some of the uh, caravan pictures. He's, he definitely, he's definitely has. Working at he, it. What was he it? Made Goldsmith some... said about him uh, him deciding he was going to choose a salad. Uh, he'd been yeah. eating salads lately. Yes, yep. <laughs> I believe it was. Is he team burrito or team pizza? And he is team yes. salad. So <laughs> go on with yourself, Vogie. <laughs> Vogie? I think he said he wanted Vogie. I like that his nickname was, what was it, Big Tuna? Tuna? Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, there's a lot we can do with that. Um, <laughs> there's, there's... there's like six nicknames that you get if you're a big person playing baseball. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, big country, big tuna. Haas. I'm sure he's been called Haas like 30 times. Um, well, should we talk about Valencia first or should we talk about uh, our nickname for him at the site? Thank you, Nathan Bishop. Uh, Vogdor. Vogdor. Love it. Vogdor. Burninating. <laughs> burninating the A's. That's all I can imagine him burninating right now. Valencia makes the most sense to be the starter, especially out of the gate. Yep. I mean, they went out of their way to acquire him. You know, I think it was Paul Blackburn, which was not a huge trade, but still it was, you know, an, an acquisition. And he's been a consistent hitter at the major league level for five, six years. You know, it's it's even even if you think he's going to be challenged by the amount of exposure he's going to get, you know, you look at his numbers cumulatively, it's better than any first baseman we've had for the last six years. Yeah. Was it you who did the piece on this, John, looking at yeah. the sucking hole that has been first base over the years? It, it Can was, you, like, indeed. walk up for people who maybe didn't read that, just, like, sure. briefly give us a tour of the horrors there? So, essentially, the position of first base, which is a difficult thing, but by far the easiest thing to do if you're playing <laughs> baseball, other than, I guess, DHing, but you have to actually hit really well, um, has just been appalling since John Olerud declined, essentially. Is it the um, defensive dark arts position of 
It is Mariners. Well, see, the thing is, we we really believed in Justin Smoke, didn't we? Oh boy. Oh. So uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure quite what the correlation is there. It might be. It might be the. Uh, what was the? Who was the history teacher? The guy. The guy who was just a ghost. Bins. And, uh, pr- yeah. Bins. Yeah. He. It might be the the Professor Bins position, but. Yeah, I, we had you know Logan Morrison. We had last year Adam Lind and Deho. Um, we had you know just Smoke and Kochman and Cuss and just all these uh, just terrible players. And we had one year where you know Russell Brannion was good. But essentially, the the Mariners just have been unable to find any production at the first base position. And even if Danny Valencia relatively tanks, and I realize we're saying this after having probably said the exact same thing about Adam Lind last year, he will be the best hitting first baseman that the Mariners have had since 2009, I believe. Wow. Whenever Brandon was here. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, really dark. And, and so, you know, Valencia, he's played mostly third base. He was very rough uh, defensively there, but he's relatively athletic. It's not too difficult to play first base defensively. And, you know, he's is there was a good article on fan graphs, I believe, by a uh, certain former uh, editor of or managing editor of this site uh, talking about how he's fixed uh, his splits issue. And so now he's not just going to be a, you know, we don't have to platoon first base again which allows for so much more defensive flexibility. Yeah, I think the idea of the necessity of platooning him might be um, might be in the past because between 2010 and 2014, he had only a 65 WRC plus against right-hand pitching. And over the yeah. past two years, he's doubled that basically yep. to 118. So yeah, He's got some really nice splits, like especially when you look at last year's. Uh, I think that's what gives me hope about him playing first base. Um, right. I mean, he hit. I mean, if you go for average, he had 318 versus right-handers. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh no, against left-handers, and then 275, which still isn't that bad at all, mm-hmm. against uh, right-handed pitching. I think Valencia will be one of the better hitting first baseman we've had in a while. But Vogelbach might be good. I mean, he might shine in his opportunities that he gets. I have. If you can't trust what Vogelbach has done hitting against AAA pitch pitching i mean then there's just no point in evaluating you know prospects at the triple a level uh, 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 steven romero i suppose that's fair <laughs> that's that's, that's fair whoa, okay <laughs> I mean, I... um sure but but even then vogelbach has not vogelbach's skill set of getting on base controlling the zone showing the power at every level has has translated well and it you know he's deserving of the opportunity i guess which romero was too and then he got it and then he did not <laughs> retain it, it so <laughs> i mean i have i have hesitations about vogelbach which i would be so happy to be wrong about sure. um just i think i just haven't watched him enough i haven't invested the time because it is very hard for me to warm up to him on a little personal level because he. <laughs> I don't know. Represents... I don't know anything about that. I don't know. What you're <laughs> <about>. <laughs> um, but that I will dedicate myself to some 
Daniel. He wants to be called Daniel now, by the way, which I think is some pretty big talk for a guy who has a picture of himself <laughs> getting pulled in a wagon on his Instagram. But well, and he was, you know, he was a second round pick. He's been at every level sort of highly thought of and just has been blocked by these star players. You know, it's real easy to shine and still get sort of looked over when Anthony Rizzo's right in front of you. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. And True. Kyle Schwarber's hanging out right next to you. He's not yeah. even the biggest dude in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's say, too, I like Jerry going after Valencia. Lind was a huge risk-reward candidate, right? So, like, they were going to accept the fact that he could not at all hit left-handed pitching. Right. And just feast on him being so good about right against right-handed pitching and it just tanked it just didn't work out at all uh so i like going with valencia who's like maybe a little more of a measured is he gonna give you those exciting giant home runs probably not but is he gonna put up quality at bats that don't make me want to claw my eyes out yes The the real thing I'm curious about is will your screaming and cursing when he gets into a slump uh, translate from uh, being so successful with Adam Lind to Danny Valencia? No, no, that was a that was an Adam Lind specific thing that like he just <laughs> he seemed to thrive on my hatred, so <laughs> my frustration. Although it didn't help him that much because he wound up putting up negative war. And we wound up getting negative war out of the first base position, which, as you say, is a position that it shouldn't be that hard to get some positive war out of. So. And I think just on one last thing on this, and Valencia, as you said, is it's sort of a trend that we're seeing around the entire uh, roster of, yeah, Valencia obviously should play mainly first base, but unlike Deho, essentially having Deho and Lind, who can poorly play one position (laughs) you have valencia who if kyle seager needs a day off if kyle seager needs a day off you have a guy who you know he's probably not great but you can put a good hitter out there instead of having to put sean o'malley out there um you know constantly in all these different positions or you know you have a legit offensive your offensive productivity doesn't have to fall off a cliff um just because you need to find someone who physically can play defense. Fair enough. Uh, all right, well, let's let's bounce around the infield then over to uh, to second base and talk about our second baseman. Uh, who, who's going to be playing second base this year? I'm not sure. Might be up for a positional battle. That was that was the that was the one of the raised trades, right? That was why we got Modder. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, so if you missed it on Friday, John conceived of a piece that I helped him finish off, but, um, it was a really lovely piece about just clips of Mariners smiling and being happy, which is a really nice send off for the weekend. Um, I felt warm and fuzzy whenever I looked at it. Uh, but we had to edit so much of it because it was like, seriously, it was 90% Robinson <laughs> Cano, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, the guy is just a beam of light. It's it's fun to have your stars be both athletically just such such great role models, and also have them personably be so relatable. You 
I think I, some people were talking in the comments actually on that piece about, you know, in years past, we've had good teams before, but there have rarely been just a, there's rarely been a team-wide sort of vibe uh, that is as strong as this past couple of years. And I think all of that starts with Cano and Cruz, obviously, but. Cano is Cano is clearly the center of this whole. It, team. It's Cano. It's his team. Absolutely. It's his show. It's the Cano show. A number of the projections are are, I I, I wouldn't say low on him necessarily, but definitely I think they have him at three point eight on Steamer, which mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I mean projections are conservative. It makes sense, and, and we know that. But, um, you know, I I think from what we saw last year and the last the previous two years. When Robinson Cano doesn't have two hernias, he's <laughs> one of the best players in baseball, and he's still that player. And especially having a good, fast, experienced shortstop that he has played with before, uh, not in the MLB, but uh, still has experience with, is going to help ease his aging process a little bit as well. Too. Uh, I'm curious about the power spike. The His projected ex-ISO in 2015 was 190, mm. which would be good, which seems totally in line with what a healthy Robinson Cano should be able to do. In June, his actual ISO was 270. yeah and he finished at 235 which um you know you can't i think anticipate those numbers for every year but i wonder i wonder how much iron glenn has a role in that you know our our lord and savior iron iron glenn (laughs) if you don't know who iron glenn is he is he was cruz's trainer first right at least of of the mariners yes yeah okay so he cruz had been working with him Cruz gets Cano as he's recovering from the double hernia on with Iron Glenn. They get Felix. And obviously, you know, you see what Nelson Cruz has been putting up. You see what Cano did last year. Is Iron Glenn a a genius? A mastermind? I know Delin Betances. Betances, yeah. He's also one of the people that works with him and different player than Felix, but woof, you, know, yeah. you can work into something like that. It's uh, It seems like he's got something going. What were you going to say, Jose? Oh, no, I was just going to say that if uh, if he can work miracles with Felix this year, I think Mariners are going to put him on the payroll. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no. He can't work with anyone else. He has to just be ours. If, right. I mean, we will build him a shrine outside of Safeco. It can go right along the Griffey statue. <laughs> Daddy, who's that? That's Iron Glenn. <laughs> he brought back Felix from the ashes. I love. I mean, Iron Glenn's Instagram is a terrifying place, but it is like <laughs> it will make you want to run through a wall after you spend like yeah. ten minutes there. I am the great. box. What does that mean? I don't know what that is. I'm scared. Uh, all right, so let's let's rotate around then to. I know that this isn't exactly going in positional order, but since we had kind of a nice segue to it, uh, Cano's good buddy and our new shortstop. We are up. We talked about this a little last week. We are still kind of up in the air about how to say it. I've been saying Jan Segura. Uh, I have heard lots of other places Gene Segura. Um, but the people in the Dominican were saying Jan, so I kind of want to stick with that. You would think it would be Jan. It should be Jan. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. But 
Um, but it, so I'll be really interested, especially because, you know, they do, we have quite a push here about calling players by their preferred names, putting their preferred accents in place or diacritical marks, whatever. Um, so it'll, that'll be interesting to me, but enough about his name. Let's talk about him as the player. Pretty good player. Last year. (laughs) Um, And three years ago. Yeah. Uh, put up a 5.2 a couple years ago. Put up a 6.0 last year. Um, I think we're crazy to think he can do 6.0 again. No. Um, I don't think he, anyone is thinking that. Yeah, and and, and that's absolutely realistic. Um, he will regress, but it's still going to be, I think it's still going to be very productive. I think three three seems reasonable. You know, yeah. I think he's projected around two for a lot of places. But you know, in that two to three range, not only is that just a very solid level of production in and of itself but that's also a roughly three to four win jump from last year yep i mean (laughs) let's let's talk about that a little we have a negative 0.7 is what Cattell finished at wow negative 0.7 anyone want to take a guess at his uh his his walk rate oh god over under five (laughs) got it gotta be under (laughs) i'm thinking under is it over under three? Ah, well, it is. It is over three, but it is three. It and in fact, it's just a shade under four. It's three point nine, though. Oh, three point nine. That is rough. Yikes. That is really rough. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, all good wishes to Cattell, but boy, was it painful to watch him take at bats last year. Yeah, he he was just guessing when he was up there. He was just guessing, and it was just so frustrating. So really. I mean, I I always kind of chuckle to myself when I hear people debating whether Segura is going to put up four, or three, or whatever. He just needs to put up one. If he just puts <laughs> up one, we'll be in good shape. We'll be in better shape than we were last year. I mean, I have higher expectations for him, obviously, but he is replacing a sucking black hole. All he has to do is not be a sucking black hole. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think he needs to... We'll need him to be at least in the two to three, just because Cano, I think, will be good. Is Cano going to be a six-win player? Very possibly, but it you know, there's just a lot of other places where people were standouts, and we might not have that. So having him be in that, you're actually you are approaching an all-star, or but a very good starter level sort of. That would make me feel very good. And I think if he's that level, I feel very good about this team being a playoff team. Uh, mm-hmm. If he's in the one range, you kind of need everyone to be studs again, mm-hmm. be, be full stars again, which is a lot to ask. But I think he's got it in him. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I think the fact that his buddy Robbie is with him, who helped him fix mm-hmm. a swing last year, um, plus we got Edgar there. So if he starts getting away from you know what he did well last year – I mean, you've got those two guys that will surely get him back where he needs to be. Right. Um, so that's why I don't think he's going to – he'll fall all that much. I think he's going to be in a good place and feeling very good about that position now. Where do you guys fall on the can-he-play-shortstop defensively spectrum? Because I think that's been my biggest concern, actually, over his hitting. I think his hitting is going to be fine. I don't think he's going to have a 350 BABIP, but yeah. I think he's going to be okay um, and – a solid top of the order player, mm-hmm. but defensively, that's sort of my only concern. It's a little concerning at a 
at one of, at a very important defensive position. But then I remember we had Brad Miller. That's true. And I watched him airmail <laughs> throws. The Reverend Bad. <laughs> I, I watched him airmail throws into uh, into the first row of seats. So. You it's know. important to have context. And again, shortstop, another <laughs> position where Segura literally will be the best hitting shortstop we've had since Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. And might be the best shortstop, period, that we've had since I mean, Cattell Marte played for all – I'm harsh on him about his batting, but he did play a very nice shortstop. He had errors here and there. Uh, he had blips. Uh, <laughs> he, I mean, he really could make the outstanding play. You know, he had the range. He he did. Yeah. He I don't. I'm not sure Segura has the range. I'm not sure he's going to make the flashy plays. But I think he's going to make more of the routine plays. The thing about Marte was it's kind of like when scouts talk about raw power versus game power. Mm. Marte had raw range, but he didn't have game <laughs> range. It was very strange. Like you, you'd see him run, you'd see him sprint, and he was, you know, and he had he had raw arm, but mm. he did not have game arm. Mm. You know, it was it was mm. frustrating to see him clearly physically be there, but either be so much in his own head or be physically messed up or whatever it was. It just wasn't happening, and I think he was. He was definitely in the negatives uh, by by most defensive metrics. Uh, I don't know how badly off the top of my head, but yeah, it was in him. But I think Segura will be a little more steady, yeah. even if not exceptional. Even if he's not spectacular, all we need him to be is steady. All right, so uh, the last spot then in our in our infield club belongs to third base and the eternal one. How much better can he get? It's not about regression. I don't think, I think if you're talking about Kyle Seager regressing or being anything other than just a steady guiding light, that's, that's just ill informed because the guy, literally he has gotten better every single year. He's hit more home runs every single year. He's, he's just, he just keeps getting better. And I think, uh, you know, he might not be a five and a half win player this year, but I think he's but close he might. to that. He, but he, yeah, but he might. Yeah. But he might. Exactly. So are we, are we bullish on Seager? If so, why? I mean, I think everything you just said. Uh, he's getting better with every year. I, I think he hits 35 this year. I like it. <laughs> I like that uh, right out of the gate. Yeah. Why not? I mean, like you said, I mean, he hit 30 this year. He's bumping up five. He can do it. He went, His home run totals go 20, 22, 25, 26. Last year, he was projected to hit 20 home runs by Brett Talley at Fangraphs. And uh, I think he just took that as a personal insult (laughs) and and hit 30. Um, So, yeah, does he he hit more than 30, over under 30 home runs this year? Jose, you're taking the over? I'll take the over. And and I'd say even 33. 33? I'll bring it down a little bit. I I think he... I think the over. I think if it, it may be, you know, I may be just lining, putting myself in in a long line of people to say, well, that's probably that's probably as good as we could see. Um, but if he can be that same player, and now he gets to hit with actual decent people around him, mm-hmm. and he's going to have 
more runners on in front of him. He's going to have more, you know, protection is a shaky term in terms of whether that's a real, real thing mm. in, in mm-hmm. baseball. But um, I'm just, I'm excited to see him. He's going to get more at bats purely by ju- just being a better offense. So mm-hmm. I think that's uh, something I'm very excited to see is more Kyle Seeger opportunities with Gene Segura on base and Robinson Cano on base. More Kyle Seager. Period. Yes. <laughs> Delightful. All right. Well, I think that sums up the infield. Um, maybe we'll take a little break and then we'll come back and do designated hitter in the outfield. Welcome back. We are moving right along. We zoomed past the infield. We are into the outfield. Uh, but first, we have to make a little stop off in the batter's box and talk about Nelson Cruz. What can we say about Nelson Cruz? It's been an absolute pleasure watching him in a Mariners uniform. I mean, who knew that this was going to turn out as great as it has? <sighs> Like I, I was expecting him to do okay, but not this, not for the two years that, you know, with what he's done, it's just been so much fun to watch. I, it's incredible. It is inconceivable that it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like he was like, we remember like the, they're targeting Trumbo. They're targeting Nelson. Cruz. Like there was like a three year saga of, <laughs> Oh, the Mariners trying to get Nelson Cruz. Oh, the Mariners messed up trying to get Nelson Cruz. Oh, yeah, Mariners <laughs> should have gotten Nelson Cruz, except of course the Mariners are going to say, and then it, they did. And they paid way too much money for this aging slugger. Whose only skill was power who couldn't play, who everyone knew couldn't play defense. And he's been so good. <laughs> it's outrageous. Outrageous. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a Mariners unicorn. It's the signing of an aging power hitter. That has so far worked out. And I mean, even if it doesn't work out as much as it has, we've already gotten such incredible production out of him and out of that yeah, contract. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Grant, I remember Grant's piece when I was, when I think you did it right after the big sort of massive home run that was in uh, LA. And he essentially actually went through with the numbers and, and with the contract. And by that, he's already way exceeded his value for just war to dollars and has continued to to build on that uh, excess so it's it's incredible and who knew that we were going to get in addition to a great hitter a great person and a great clubhouse mitigating force a great co-leader along with Cano uh, somebody who really understands the importance of being a veteran and being there for other players and helping them, helping the younger guys out when they're struggling. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can't measure that really, but. And, and DePoto has talked about it. Service has talked about it. The other people in the front office, his teammates, and have, they've all sort of 
discussed, you know, obviously he's an incredible player. He's, you know, a great teammate. But I, I remember, Kate, when we were going through, um, I think, interviews that he was doing uh, in the Dominican mm-hmm. and um, getting some translations and different things and how incredibly smart he was talking about the specific things that he had, had done well and the things he struggled with and how clearly he had such a deep understanding of baseball and how those are the types of players you know when we think about we think about Edgar and how he was such a student of the game and how that helped him succeed despite his physical limitations for so long and how we found another sort of player like that in Nelson Cruz it's amazing and it's something i don't think you can appreciate unless you do listen to him speak in his native tongue because um and not to say that his english is not excellent his english is excellent but there is a richness to his vocabulary and such a, a clear intelligence and wisdom when he is speaking in his first language that just really makes itself so apparent you're like oh I'm in the presence of somebody who really, really knows this on a deep intellectual level and is able to express that. Are, what is your percentage level thought that he falls off this year? What, what's the likelihood that, that he sort of, this is the year that he, Richie Sexons, or that <laughs> he you know, just essentially that... Uh, I, 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 I am not too concerned just because <laughs> I've never seen any 36-year-old man, 35, 36-year-old man who is in as good of shape and takes as much meticulous care of their body as Nelson Cruz. But I do think it is something worth considering that you can do a lot of good and some point age does get to you. But yeah. I'm curious what you guys, how what your concern level is there. Uh, I'm I'm in the middle. I mean, I think there's going to be a drop off this year. Um, Steamer has has him at 1.9, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is I think is pretty low. That is uh, <laughs> quite low. He was he was what he was around four last year, right? Yeah, 4.2 last year. Yeah, um, been nine the last two years. Yeah, that's I mean, that, that's just a massive drop off, which it can happen. I'm not saying it won't. Mm-hmm. I just think, like you said, just the way he knows the game, the way he takes care of his body. I just think that it's not going to be that much of a drop off. Um, the only thing I guess I'm, I'm a little concerned about is the injuries piling up. Um, he, he had a couple of injuries towards the end of last year that, that bothered him with the wrist. And I think he was having back spasms as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I hope that doesn't start to catch up. Uh, but for the most part, I'm feeling pretty good about him next year. Um, I'm not sure if he just gets like a reset on the season. Um, cause some of those, Injuries seem to be cumulative things, the back spasms, the hand problem, the nerve damage. So potentially the off season and a really good workout regimen and rest and just all of those good things helps him get back to that shape. For sure. And I think it's worth noting he was our starting right fielder last (laughs) year Yes, for, for all of the moves and all of the good things that we did he was still playing the outfield a lot last year and he will almost certainly never do that unless it's an interleague game this year so that is at least as much as you can counterbalance you know not only 
just having to be in games, but he doesn't really have to practice being in the outfield that much. He can sort of spend a lot more time off those knees <laughs> that gave him a lot of trouble <laughs> in the late 2000s. And <laughs> a lot more time with Edgar, who, yep, if you yes. want an example of how to be a great designated hitter and somebody who can shepherd you through that transition in your career into being a full-time DH, which he's not yep. had to do, which he has said before is a struggle for him. Right. He wants to be out there helping his team, and it, right. he thinks it's kind of boring, which is fair. So now yeah. he's got somebody who can be by his side, who can really teach. He can learn from the best. So, Well, we are sorry that there is no more room for you in the outfield, Nelson. Not that sorry. <laughs> we are not entirely sorry, though, because we have some exciting <laughs> stuff going on out there. Um, I think I'm going to make John wait and just torture him, and we'll start off maybe in, in center uh, field with Leonis Martinez. Oh, what? <laughs> nice. All right, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> all right, Leonis had, by all accounts, pretty much a career a career year last year, right? Would you say that was a career year? Uh, well, yeah. well, no. Uh, I think 2014 was probably his. I mean, if you're looking at based off of WAR, he had a 3.6 in 2014, and then 2.2 last year. But did he ever hit 15 home runs? Well, <laughs> then if, no. I mean, he essentially doubled his highest uh, home run amount. Which is nuts. Where did that? Where did that come from? Where did he that come? He became power? a different player in a, it was a career in the sense that he started a new career as a slightly <laughs> different Leonis Martinez. Uh, he I mean because he was a he was a slap hitter yeah. you know he had he had some okay power but you know he'd never hit double digit home runs and he was a fast guy who would put the ball in play a lot and would beat out a bunch of base hits and we saw him try to bunt for base hit about 55 times this year and <laughs> successfully do it once and it drove me insane every time but he found a way to become a decent power hitter which was really exciting and and unfortunately after he got hurt in the end of may that kind of fell off but he's still it's still intriguing i am interested about the change that happened in his launch angle and how he dropped his ground ball rate so much he dropped it by practically 10 points and just really started hitting the ball in the air some more and at Safeco Field there's a chance that when you hit the ball in the air and you hit it over the first row of guys heads I might find some green out there right there's some space uh his hard contact was up too and uh you know I think Maybe part of it is coming into that age a little bit and changing his body. I've been keeping track of his workouts in Cuba and at home in Miami. And he's, you know, he looks great. He is definitely putting in the work to keep up that more muscular frame. Um, but no, I think, you know, Martin is kind of, he's happier here for sure. He's in kind of a better headspace. Uh, he's he put up some pretty good numbers last year. He seems to be feeling more comfortable. He's a solid player. Yeah. Been getting a lot out of working with Edgar. Uh, I don't see him falling off that much. Fifteen home runs seems like a lot to hope for. Fangra or um, 
Steamer, I think, is projecting him for 13, which still seems uh, like a lot. They have him at 10. Yeah. 10? Oh, maybe they get 13. Yeah, but Fangraphs have him at 13. But yeah, he, he and Segura sort of represent the only two, and maybe Valencia, I guess, sort of represent the only two veteran starters who are not clear stars uh, on this team. And and it's interesting to see that you would think Martin and Segura are sort of going to be the steady players. Um, and if they are steady players, then this team is going to be fine. Right. Well, let's uh, let's switch gears then and talk about Gerard Dyson. <laughs> uh, so this was this was a this was a trade that I think Jerry had definitely wanted to make for a long time. Um, I think when it first came down the wire, we were sort of like, "Why are we giving up another exceedingly precious rotation arm?" in order to acquire yet another speedy outfielder. Mm-hmm. Right? That 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 felt a little weird to me at first. I was warmed definitely by the fact that Kansas City Royals fans seem to be completely miserable, which always helps. You know, there was much rending of garments over at Royals Review. So mm. that always makes you feel good. Um but what are what are our expectations for Dyson or where do you see him fitting in? Uh, I'm I'm very excited for him this year. I don't think he puts up the same way he did last year. Uh, last year he put up a uh, 3.1. Steamer's got him for 1.7. I think he'll probably be around around that 1.5 to 2 maybe. Yeah. Um, but the speed is just gonna be so much fun. We haven't had that this kind of speed on the team in well never. In well and... never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stolen bases are going to be a lot better this year. I don't think they're going to be too bland as much. Um, Gerard Dyson knows what he's doing on the base pass, and mm-hmm. that's that's going to be really nice to see. Uh, he hasn't been a full-time starter, um, so I guess that's probably the one thing that's a little concerning, but I don't think it's that much of a big deal. Uh, he is a lot older than I thought he was. Uh, he's 32. 32, yeah. I thought he was like 27, 28, but I mean... Obviously, if last year was any indication, I don't think he's losing any of that speed this year. I don't know. Speed can fall off a cliff. Speed makes me a little nervous if that's the big tool that you're bringing to the table. Um, although, that's it's a win-now move, right? Yeah. And his his utility is also that Martin now doesn't have to play 161 mm-hmm. games or mm-hmm. right. you know, go out there with a, with a bum hamstring. You know, you can... You have Gerard Dyson, who has been a above average and honestly exceptional defensive center fielder for most of his career, um, who will happen to be playing probably left field. So that is fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and if you're going to have a player that is a part-time player, it is nice that Dyson is a lefty, so he is able to face the majority of pitchers, I guess. He's, he's going to slot in well against right-handed pitching and He's been a decent hitter against them his entire career. Well, I think now it's time to talk about another exciting new young player that we have in the outfield, Ben Gamble. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Kate. Kate, my friend. Go ahead and take this one, John. Oh, well. I, uh, I did actually do some research on Ben Gamble recently, and he's got a brother who <laughs> also has interesting hair. That's kind of what I got for you. Uh, and he looks like an extra from the OC, kind of. Indeed. Jerry is obsessed with Ben Gamble, right? Like, he will not, he just won't stop talking about Ben Gamble. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's been hard to tell, is this just trade posturing? Has this been the, the up talk about, oh yeah, doing, doing great stuff? Or is it legitimately Jerry thinks this is the guy? I wasn't sure, but then they put him on the caravan. They put Cody Martin on the caravan too. <laughs> that's, it's goes eggs, so, goes eggs. That's that's an I, Eastern Washington play, but that's fair. Uh, I think it was a little bit of trade posturing, and I don't think that worked out. So that's how we got Dyson. Sure. Um, I don't know. Maybe Gamble puts it together, and he ends up being a decent player, but. Fine. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. That that one's kind of kind of weird because then you've got an essentially a very similar player in Giedmo, who I prefer, um, which we'll talk about him in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, so Gamble and Heredia, I think it's fair to maybe compare the two um, because both of them are going to be competing for that fourth outfielder slot. Because even though I am teasing John and not allowing him to talk about his favorite <laughs> player, there is one other player who will be occupying. A slot in the outfield. We think probably, you know, it's hard with the young guys, but we think probably most of the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I am team Guillermo, but I looked at their numbers. I tried to find some difference between the two. What is it? Why is it that Jerry's so taken with Gamble? What is it that Heredia is maybe lacking? Um, and I just I couldn't really find anything you know already had an 11.2 walk rate with against a 14 percent k rate in his 107 plate appearances he did even better at the afl with a 14.5 walk rate i mean you know he was he, he tore it up in the afl i think he hit like 275 403 431 i mean that was in Against very, very high-level competition. I mean, the, the AFL is uber competitive. So, yeah. what I'm, I'm with is... Jose. It's They have been talking so much about Gamble, but it, he just doesn't make sense with the players that they have. I mean, you know, especially with Dyson, who is essentially needing a platoon partner or uh, will need a lot of help against lefties. It doesn't make sense to bring Gamble who might not have a strong platoon issue, but if you have a right-handed hitter who's equally good or better, why would you not go with Aredia? Great question. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's just it's kind of bizarre. Um, I don't know. I really can't put my finger on it. I think we'll just have to wait and see what happens in spring training. The only thing I can maybe think of is Heredia hasn't shown in the U.S. at least to have a ton of power. And Gamel doesn't have a ton of power, but he is able to make a little more hard contact than Heredia was. Um, Gamel doesn't fall across home plate every time he swings. <laughs> which, that is true. Well, I 
find it mildly endearing about Aredia and does, I would assume, help him get to first base more rapidly, <laughs> seems to leave a little bit of power in the box. <laughs> True. Yeah, Heredia's swing needs, uh, it is, that thing is raw. It is, it's rough to watch. He just flies open like a barn door. Um, but yeah, I didn't, Camel just, he never had a double de- digit walk rate above the A level. I wonder if it's almost the opposite that we're that we're maybe thinking of that they because already has been very successful and and had some uh, you know positive results but hasn't necessarily figured out his mechanics and all these things that they don't want to be talking him up and putting too much pressure on him uh, that they want him to feel the that he still has the space to develop and that he doesn't have to be a fully formed product this year. Mm. That's a hmm. good. That's an interesting point. That's One interesting. caveat there is Heredia is a little bit older, right? Right. Uh, old, old to be hanging out in Double AA, A, Triple A. But I guess that's fair when you think about the fact that he spent a good portion of his time in Double A last year. Right. Yeah, and then he he didn't play all that long in uh, in Tacoma. So, yeah, definitely majority of it was in was in Jackson. Yeah, so maybe it is a little bit, and um, they mentioned, Jerry mentioned that, um, I guess, something having to do with, like, his immigration or his legality here in the country. Uh, He can't play in any of the international leagues, so he had to go to the AFL and play in the taxi squad there. So that's something Hmm. that limits his ability to develop as well. But I don't know. I think that that is maybe one of the big... That is one of the big question marks that maybe everybody has is what what is the Ben what what is a Ben Gamble? Stop trying to make <laughs> Ben Gamble happen. Ben Gamble? <laughs> Why is a Ben Gamble? Yes. Um, all right, I've been torturing you, John, because I have been resisting <laughs> allowing you to talk about your favorite, your new favorite. But uh, go ahead, lay it on us. Mitch. Mitch. <laughs> Mitch. Yes. Such an old man name. It is an old man name, but it is it is a good name. He, uh, I am unnecessarily excited about Mitch Haniger. <laughs> oh, uh, I think it, I, I don't know if it's unnecessary. No, uh, everybody perhaps, needs a cheering squad. This is fair. Um, I have basically since the uh, Taiwan Walker, Cattell Marte, Jan Segura, uh, Zach Curtis, Mitch Haniger trade been diving deeper and deeper into a Mitch Haniger uh, hole, and it has become my new home. This is, it's beautiful <laughs> and spacious. Um, the, the walls are just very, very vibrant. Uh, it's, it's a delightful place to be. Um, I'm really optimistic about Haniger. Um, obviously, last year he had a little bit of time in the major leagues, played center field for the most part, was a good defensive center fielder. Oh, good! Another center fielder. We need one of well, those. You know, you never know if you might want to regift one, or uh, you know, maybe the first one breaks, and or you just have to return it. You never know if the store is going to be closed too. You exactly. have one on hand. Could have strange hours. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Mitch is a little bit older for a I guess you would call him a prospect in that it was this will be his first full season but he's just turned 26 um, there's a lot of things that you would look at his profile and have 
concerns, certainly. He had a stretch where he was sent back down to double A because, or single A rather, um, because he actually requested that he go down so that he could get more reps to work on his swing because he felt he was just not doing the right stuff. Um, he's an extremely cerebral player. He's through somewhat extensive to the point of uh, uncomfortable levels of research uh, <laughs> found uh, discussions of uh, his interests in uh, Bobby Tewksbury, who's a renowned sort of hitting uh, thinker and um, a lot of different discussions that he's had both you know, in college, in um, his summer leagues in Corvallis, home of our own Ethan Novak, um, and just at every level being someone that was a leader, someone who always worked to improve himself and having made an extreme sort of adjustment in his swing uh, this past uh, season in the minor leagues, put up a 185 WRC plus in AAA, which wow. I think is pretty good. Is that good? It's okay. Good. It's okay. okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, obviously, that is more than you're going to expect, and and he had some struggles in in the major leagues, but and he had a 256 BABIP, and still put up an 81 WRC plus with good speed, great defense, um, and a strong arm and got on base he's he's got the entire c to z profile and has power to boot so i am sold on our new right fielder you know i love a cerebral i love a fellow cerebral that's why i love andrew moore um i would like to note that i think i've discovered that the other uh selling feature that i do uh, have for players that i like is he does have just a very warm smile and that <laughs> may have an undue level of uh, influence in this evaluation, but um, yeah, he's 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 going to be good. So, John, part of the um, I think part of the mania that maybe Jerry feels for Ben Gamble is the idea that he's athletic, he's got the arm, um, he gets on base, and you know the team has been lacking a leadoff hitter for so long. Where do you right. see Hanniger fitting best in the lineup? So this is this is a very tough part. Um, ideally, well, in my wildest dreams, I see him as a two-hitter. But you don't usually put a completely or a essentially unproven uh, player in the two-hitter role. Um, so I think he would probably be best served. Uh, going and starting either in the seven hole or the eight hole, um, either right in front of or right behind uh, Leonis Martin, uh, where they can both provide. They're sort of similar players if Martin's profile from last year uh, bears out. Um, um, he has power and speed and the ability to get on base. So if you let him get on there. Uh, Martin can knock something into the corner, and uh, he's he's going to have the ability to score. I don't love him ahead of Zunino because, as we discussed, Zunino's probably not going to make quite as much contact. And mm -hmm. Hanniger has acceptable speed, but he doesn't have he's ne it's never borne out into exceptional base stealing. 
whereas Martin and Dyson clearly have that top-level uh, base stealing speed. So I think he's best served running. Do you think eventually we could fit him into the Seth Smith spot in the lineup as a younger, more athletic Seth Smith? I think he absolutely has that potential. I mean, even if you just look at his numbers from about 120 at-bats, or plate appearances, rather, last season, you know, he hit 229, um, but he had a 309 on base percentage. He was getting on. He has some power. You know, he clearly has the patience uh, to get up there. Um, he stands really far away from the plate, uh, which seems less than optimal. Al- well, it is It is definitely um, not great if you're going to try and hit a bunch of pitches that are outside, but he does this consciously with the recognition that he's probably not going to get a lot of power on pitches that he's swinging at that are low and away. So he essentially dares pitchers to throw perfectly on the uh, outside corner and welcomes anything on the inside that he can pull for power. So he, he's really good at managing the zone, uh, both in practice and conceptually, uh, and I think that has a lot of parallels with Seth. I was already sold even before he <laughs> – like, <laughs> I'm pretty high on Hanniger as well. Um, so, I mean, he hit everything on the head there. Um, I'm all in. I'm, I'm I'm really excited to see what this kid can do. The I, I don't – I know I've already waxed quite a bit on on this man that I have a great deal of affection for, but <laughs> if, if, if I can put two very short little things that I think are, are exciting is, one, he had one of the best profiles um, on, I believe, Baseball Savant tracks uh, sort of easy, uh, standard, uh, difficult, and highlight-level catches in terms mm. of balls that are hit to the outfield and yeah. what you might expect a center fielder or an outfielder to make a play on or, or any fielder. Um, and Hanniger didn't miss any routine ones, had a very high rate of making highlight plays. So that speed, even if it doesn't unfortunately translate as well to the base paths um, or at least to stealing bases, um, his range is top-notch. I think mm-hmm. I read something similar about Dyson, actually, where he he has the he missed like no easy plays or maybe it was just one easy play last year. Absolutely. A ball might never drop. That's, That's kind of what they're gambling, isn't it? <laughs> That's the big gamble. Um, and I think Martine also had like two, three. Like it was also yeah. a very low number Yeah, that, that dropped. I remember I was, once we got Dyson, I actually went and looked at Savant's uh, nifty little charts and Look, oh, compared all three, and ooh, 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 ooh. it's exciting. Ooh. It's pretty. <laughs> all right. Well, it should be a definitively different product than we have seen in outfields of years past, where you know it's basically been a collection of uh, old refrigerators and you know, <laughs> those machines outside of grocery stores that you put a quarter in to ride. Uh, the the final thing I will say on Hanniger is he's also. Uh, not a free agent until 2023. So mm, that's how Jerry that likes he loves. Kind of yep. nice. Kind of nice and cheap. Well, hopefully he will be good for us for that <laughs> amount of time. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, I think that uh, that about covers things. Overall, how are we feeling compared to the team last year at this time? 
I would like each of you to, if, if it's not too time intensive, try and name the, collectively, and try and name, I'm looking at it right now, try and name the 2016 starting lineup, what, what it was last year. Uh, Aoki. Yes. Aoki, Martin, Smith. Yeah. Yep. No, Cruz. Nope. Cruz, Cruz, right field. Right field. And then fairness, yeah. Marte, Seeger, Cano, Lind. Yes, indeed. And Ionetta. Indeed. DH? Um, DH. The mighty Goody? Franklin no. Gutierrez. All oh, right. Who's going to forget him? That, just comparing it to last year, the defensive prowess stands out so mm-hmm. vividly. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's why I'm, I'm optimistic about the team. At least the product on the field will be Watchable? nice to look at. <laughs> it, it, it'll be fun. And I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited about that defense now. And it, the big thing about the defense, too, is that it helps the pitchers in terms of confidence. Now they can kind of mess with more and throw yeah. different things. And I think, I think it helps them out as well quite a bit. I think um, I'm excited just to see kind of those holes closed up, like uh, the shortstop hole, the first base hole, and then all the layers of nets that are under these things. Okay, if somebody in the outfield fails, there are... 17 different people who could step up and take that place. Right. Uh, Zanino struggles. I don't want to have to rely on 38-year-old Carlos Ruiz, but we do have something that is built in that is a proven product. That's, I think, you, you're exactly right in, in that. I think that's as much as the starting lineup is looks a little bit better. I think that the, the depth second options yeah. and the third options are what likely are going to stand out more as much or more because last year if any you know if Seth Smith got hurt or we need you know Aoki was out Nelson Cruz has to play the outfield a bunch you know Daniel if, Robertson or, has to play the outfield exactly Leonis Martin gets hurt we don't have a center fielder <laughs> we just put five infielders out there um, you know, now it's, oh, any of, you know, Martin needs a day off. You just move Dyson over. You've got Heredia or you've got Gamble. Someone else gets hurt. Well, it's not great, but Valencia can play left or right field, mm-hmm. you know, passively, and you can put Vogel back in at first base. You know, they're struggling. Well, DJ Peterson's in AAA. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, he's, we'll see, obviously, but, you know, that that's a plausible player. You know, Nelson Cruz has a back spasm and needs a week off, you just put Volga back in there. And, yep. and you have at essentially every position. Catcher, I'm still a little shaky on, but pretty much at every position, you have someone that you can look at and say, this is not going to be a catastrophe. <laughs> it was if such a smart way to build a team, too, I think, to build a team that fits Safeco, finally, after all this time. <laughs> Uh, you know, because we've been talking about it and talking about it. And finally, you have a team that fits the confines of Safeco Field. And yep. in a year that was really, really weak for pitching for free agency, um, we concentrated on building really good defense. We concentrated on run prevention. 
and just which is the, exactly what Jerry wanted yeah. on day one. I everything he said he You're wanted so to do. <laughs> I know he's so sneaky in the way that he comes out <laughs> and tells us exactly what he's going to do and then does How it. How dare he? <laughs> the nerve. Um, but yeah, I thought I th- I just think that that's really it's amazing that we will have gone from having one of, if not the worst, defensive outfields in all of baseball two years ago to what we're going to be running out this year. It's amazing. You know what we also don't have to do is watch Nori Aoki, who's oh theoretically a fine defensive outfielder, but is a heart attack in a five-foot, you cannot tell me he's bigger than five-foot-five <laughs> body. Um, so even if, even the players who were theoretically decent were not pleasant to watch something about safeco field just reacted horribly with okay it's the routes oh my god the (laughs) The routes routes. just ridiculous i mean i'd be sitting in a seat and i'd half expect to like find him next to me at some point (laughs) (laughs) i mean even you even go back uh, you know years past where we had ostensibly decent defenses it was Dustin Ackley in left field oh my in 2014. Oh my gosh, Dustin Ackley yeah. left fielder. Yeah, it was. Don't Abra- forget Abraham about Almonte. The Brad Miller outfielder days, too. Oh my gosh. Oh we my had a gosh. couple of those. Catal Marte center fielder. I mean. Oh my, oh my gosh. God. That's right. <laughs> All right, Yikes. Mariners fans. Like, we don't know what we're going to get, but. Our, <laughs> our, our long national. Well regional nightmare is over we will have a a watchable defensive outfield this year and hopefully some good uh some good stuff on the other side of the plate as well all right i think we'll take a little break and when we come back we will address some of your twitter questions Welcome back. Now is the time on the podcast where we take your Twitter questions slash you could submit them to us other ways. I don't know. Smoke signals, passenger pigeons, whatever. Um, We thank those of you who have sent in your questions and beg those of you who have not to please let us know what's on your mind. They don't have to be about Mariners baseball. They can be about anything. For example, you could ask, what what is John drinking right this second? Uh, Hunting-themed Keystone Light. And John, do you think you are the only person on Queen Avenue, Queen Anne Avenue right now? I Yeah, I am recording this wandering up and down Queen Anne <laughs> Avenue. Uh, and certainly I am the only person doing that. Uh, but I, I would wager that I have the hill locked down vis-a-vis Keystone Light. Uh, consumption you are the mayor of that particular tiny strange town my my tiny little principality it is delicious and smooth just like water whatever mountains are on here (laughs) all right jose hit us with what we got this week all right first question we have is from josh cow 
And I can say that, that correctly now, finally. <laughs> uh, he asks us, uh, how do you pronounce Guillermo Heredia last name? Because I think everyone is wrong. So, the way I said it, what do you all think? Done. Next question. <laughs> right? Next question. Yeah. It's Heredia. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Uh, next question we have is from Speechy McPeachy. Why is Sean O'Malley the greatest Mariner of all time? Certainly, I have never seen, uh, or I have seen few things as exciting as the Griffey Day uh, home run. Yeah. Uh, I will never forget that. That was about as cool as you can have for a hometown team, hometown kid. Um, I also have been to Richland and the Tri-Cities, and... I've played on some of their baseball fields, and I think that the greatest thing that he has done is make the major leagues after (laughs) playing on – if he ever played on one of the fields that I played on, which the main feature was that you couldn't tell which of the uh, mounds was the real mound (laughs) from a distance. So, Yeah, I mean, good on on Sean O'Malley for that moment with the the home run on Griffey Weekend. Sometimes baseball is so – incredible that you cannot it, if you wrote it down it, it would be dismissed as bad fiction and you know that seems like one of those moments but it was real and it was fantastic and it's one of my favorite moments of all of last season because i mean shortly after he hit the, the home run or he maybe he made a defensive play first and then hit yeah, the home run yeah, i forget yeah. the order but like it was all within 10 15 minutes of each other and I was there for that, actually, I think. And when the crowd started chanting, Sean O'Malley, I had goosebumps. Love love some grit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, next question we have is from our very own Grant Bronsden. Um, Favorite memories of playing baseball? I didn't play baseball. I mean, I I did, but, like, Charlie Brown baseball is... uh, Sorry, this is is purely a John question. That's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm... Curious about just because I, I do have some recent memories, but I am curious about y'all's experience. Um, obviously, my favorite memory was having a young blonde Grant Bronston in center field chasing down <laughs> so many long fly balls. I feel uh, like there was a lot I, of nepotism on both sides of this question. <laughs> <laughs> never, never in in our lives. No, um, my probably most cherished memory was in uh when i was about 13 i threw a no hitter on my dad's birthday nice uh which was awesome and i also had not gotten him a gift yet and he didn't ask so i just told him that was my gift for him uh so it was both a emotional moment and a very economical (laughs) uh, move on my part you can't put a price uh, tag on that come on no, yeah, yeah. he well, literally can. Uh, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if I had to, it probably would have been about $20. And I put that towards a AAA video game, I'm sure. So, uh, Yeah, with mine, um, I actually tweeted this story out. Um, so, yeah, I was about 13 years old uh, as well, uh, playing Little League in Germany. And I had a game-winning home run um, that actually cleared the outfield fence. Um, supposedly, I was like the only kid to do it that year. Um, so yeah, I'm running around the bases, you know, enjoying the moment. And as I'm, as I round third and I'm coming home, 
I trip about five feet in front of home plate. My pants fall down during the process, and I fall. By a tittle. (laughs) And I fall face first, literally, on the home plate. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's probably one of my. Which is actually the, uh, I believe, the German flag. That's on the German flag, right? (laughs) Right. It's the alternative logo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's probably one of my one of my favorite memories. I can look I can look back on it, laughing. It. I, I remember during that moment, I was laughing. It was just so absurd. And uh, yeah, that's, that's that's my story. What do we got next? Oh yes, uh, next question is from Ben Theon. Ah. Uh, pretty good question, actually. Uh, which bat that does not make the opening day twenty-five man has a chance to make the biggest impact in twenty seventeen? I think my answer will be different from at least one of yours and possibly two of yours, but I will say. DJ Peters. Ooh. That was going to be mine. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, because there's not really a spot for him right now, obviously. Um, you know, he's behind Valencia, he's behind Vogelbach, and he's certainly behind Nelson Cruz. Um, but any, you know, if Vogelbach clearly just isn't ready or just is struggling, um, Peterson is immediately the next best first baseman um, in, in the organization. Uh, and, and if Peterson shows that he's ready to hit and ready to play at the AAA level, he'll, he can hop right up. And especially if Nelson Cruz goes down for any amount of time, you know, we need a DH. We need a, a someone who can hit. And all of the moving around and all the different issues he's had, he's probably not you know, the, the DJ Peterson outfielder experiment of two weeks oh. probably should die but yes if he can just hit you know he he's gonna have a spot or, or i should say he he has the opportunity to make a to make an impact so he's my vote yeah and that, that was actually my vote too that's that's literally who, who i was going to say as well um yeah because there's, there's not a whole lot of places for him to play there's there's no way he's going to be in the outfield um they got that locked down um yeah. And he figure so let like I think the best case scenario. I mean, what, what do you think next year or the year after? Because Valencia we only have for one year, right? Um, you know, DJ Peterson. If it all works out in Tacoma, he's probably going to be in their plans in the next year or two. Um, so I think he's going to get a shot to prove himself this year at some point. I mean, he could just end up being a September call up. For all I know, but yeah. I think he'll he'll have a chance to uh, to show what he can do. Yeah, or he's going to get he's going to show some signs of life and immediately get traded. Oh. Right. <laughs> That's because I know not like I, I like DJ Peterson. I think he's had a lot of struggles that are probably not all really on him. And, and he also was a non Jerry player and it hasn't been great. Uh, great times for non Jerry hitters <laughs> in the organization of late. So um, if he, if he shows some of that potential, I could, just as easily see him getting flipped. I think I'm going to go Tyler O'Neill. He comes up in September call-ups and he knocks the stuffing out of the ball and uh, he helps us secure a wild card berth. Uh, next question we have is from Alex On. Hopefully I'm saying that correct. Ah, uh, the Ons. The cutest um, baseball family of all. Biggest question mark in the field. First base is starting pitching at least treading water compared to last year. So that's a two-part question, obviously. 
Um, what do you think? Biggest question mark, position wise, first base. Yeah. I mean, if we're not counting catcher. Yeah, that's probably the other one I would say. I think catcher is a bigger question mark because yes. we we've seen enough of Valencia and we have a we have a backup plan. We have several backup plans. We have no backup plan for catcher other than getting Carlos Ruiz to squat on his 38-year-old knees every day, <laughs> which is no good for anyone. I mean, he's going to get playing time because there, I mean, there's going to be days where you'll need to spell Zanino. So we're going to see Ruiz out there, um, probably more than you think, I bet. And and the backup plans at first base and most of the other positions, I guess, shortstop doesn't really have a backup plan with upside, but the backup plans at first base have upside, at least. Yeah. They have right. obviously big downside, but Vogelbach you could see being a solid starter, even if Valencia is struggling. You know, Ruiz just. You're not going to extract 38-year-old uh, man, you know, power out of him. He's just He just doesn't have it. <laughs> There's only so much dad strength. Can do. <laughs> oh, and the rotation, I think, is – treading water is maybe a fair way to say. What I would say is I think what they did was they dealt away a lot of talent in Walker – in favor of consistency. And that was just, I was, I've been listening to all these Jerry interviews lately. um, And just something that comes across as I was listening to them bookended against each other is how frustrated he sounded with Taiwan, how frustrated service sounded with Taiwan. Like he just couldn't give them what they needed at the time when they needed it the most, which was, some reliable innings and we had to go the way of getting Wade LeBlanc and Joe Wheland and Cody Martin and all of them had to eat innings because we were that shorthanded because they just didn't get that consistency and they didn't get that consistency out of Carnes. So if Smiley and Gallardo or whoever it is, Heston, whoever it is who is filling out that back end of the rotation, Miranda, um, if they can just be consistent performers, I think we will find ourselves ahead of where we were last year. And it's the consistency thing, I think, is really important, as you said. The difference between, you know, having high upside players and between last year and this year is tough. You know, obviously, Carnes has never had an ace season, but he's shown ace stuff. And Taiwan, we all know all about Taiwan, but just having you, know, you look at you look at like what the Rangers had last year, which for many reasons was unsustainable, but they had people going out and pitching fine. They had you know you look at the Orioles last year, they had people going out and pitching fine. Yep. The Blue Jays last year had people going out and pitching. You know they had Ale- uh, Sanchez who was really good but you know for the most part they had people going out and pitching fine and you if you have an offense like the Mariners do and you have the defense behind them that the Mariners are intending to have and you hopefully have some consistency in the bullpen you can get by with fine and consistency you can't get by with erratic performances Mm -hmm. and that's that's the biggest difference from from last year this year well said. I agree. Goodness. All right. Uh, last question we have is from Benjamin Kasperson. 
And he asked, who are your bounce back candidates and regression candidates for 2017 Seattle Mariners? Mm, I feel like this might crowd a little into what we're going to talk about next time we record, which is going to be uh, the rotation. Yeah, but actually my choice is probably Heston. Mm. I don't know what happened to him, but uh, just watching his mechanics and some of the strikeouts... I don't know how things went so far south for him, but I think he can get back on track. Jose, were you going to say Gallardo? Yeah, that's uh, that's who I'm hoping has a bounce back year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean he he was late to camp last year. He was, and then he had the shoulder injury. Um, he's already throwing his uh, workout sessions. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he started. Um, yeah, I think the potential for bounce back is there. I hope. Um, I, I would agree on, on Gardo. I think his velocity came back last year after the injury and his accuracy and consistency was really what he was struggling with. And that is common in pitchers who have arm injuries, especially early in the season, uh, that disrupt your preparation because your mechanics just take much longer to get back, especially when you just physically can't pitch. Um, so, having a full off season to get back and work and um you know physically he's he's been there he's thrown oh i think it was over 180 innings mm-hmm. in eight of the last nine years and last year was the only one that he didn't and in each of those years he's been a two-win player or better yep you know he doesn't he's 31 years old uh he's 30 now but he'll be 31 by the start of the season yeah. You know, he's, he's not an old player, you know. I mean, obviously he's got a lot of innings, and we, we look at Felix in the same light in many ways that, you know, he has pitched more than his age might indicate. But he's got – he still has plenty plenty of uh, innings left in him, and his age is not one where you think a bounce back is completely hopeless. So yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you on that. In terms of regression – I am very optimistic about Segura as a player, and I think that I don't I don't put much into his two years of tragedy and and sort of just terrible play mm-hmm. um, because I think that he has said in many ways, and it, it's borne out in the way he played that he physically and mentally was just not there, um, but making the switch to playing shortstop full-time again is something that I am nervous with him about, especially because our backup shortstop is Sean O'Malley, Sean O'Malley yeah. or Taylor Motter or Mike Freeman. Agreed. And it's the same thing. You know, in that sense, it's the same as last year where, yeah, Marte's stinking up the joint, but you know, you might have a replacement level player behind him and that, and no upside whatsoever. So, I, he, I don't, I don't know if he's going to fall off per se, but I think the Mariners need him to be a two to three win player at least. And if he's less than that, they need career years again from Cano and Cruz and Seager, probably. And that's a lot to ask. All right. Well, thank you to those of you who sent in your questions, and uh, please do continue to send those. You can send them to the Lookout Landing Twitter account at Lookout Landing. Or, uh, like I said, carrier pigeon, etc. 
Um, thank you also for sticking with us. And thank you to John for joining us. My pleasure. Jose, next week we are going to cover the rotation and the bullpen, as well as some of the pitching depth that Jerry has piled up over the course of this offseason. And uh, we will be joined with by Jake Mailhot. Oh, gosh, I've never said his name out loud. I hope that's how you say it. <laughs> Um, lookout landings designated pitching expert so look for that next week and thank you so much for listening all right we'll see you all virtually i guess next time here's how i